14 minutes it is after 8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. And it's our Shop Stewards Corner segment, which we bring to you every Monday, uh, taking a look at what's happening in the lives of working people. Now, this week, we take a look at what's happening at Danel. Now, uh, Solidarity uh, headed to the courts last week to argue a case of contempt of court against some of the directors and former CEO of Danel. And uh, this uh, after in August, Danel was given an order to pay all salary arrears and to meet contractual and statutory obligations it has towards many of those in its employ. Now, I'm joined uh, on the line to uh, talk about, I guess, the kind of relief that uh, Solidarity and UAS are looking for here by Alhard Cronier. He's the coordinator for defense and aviation at the trade union Solidarity. Alhard, good evening to you and welcome. Good evening, Ayabonga. Thank you very much. Elkhart, maybe just give us uh, some of the context and background here uh, to the court challenge uh, where order was given in August. What were some of the issues and the facts around that particular matter, which it seems, I guess, uh, have uh, continued to be kicked down the the road enough for you now to uh, bring Denal before the courts once again? Yeah, look, from... I mean, for the last two to three years, Denal has had its cash flow problems. Um... With lockdown, uh, that became worse. So since April, they basically, uh, the the first time in April, they started not paying the statutory monies and third-party payments of employees. And since May, they've basically only paid partial partial salaries and failed to pay the third-party and statutory payments of employees. By that, we obviously refer to payments to SARS, the deductions they make for SARS, UIS, etc., so in July, we approached the, the urgent court role um, in the Labour Court uh, as, a, as a way to try and settle the matter. We first took part in the facilitation process during the month of July. Um, that resulted in nothing, unfortunately. So we then approached the court and got the court order on the 4th of August. That's basically a summary of, of what has transpired. Mm-hmm. And and now you, you brought this matter to the courts largely because you feel the remedy that the courts provided in August uh, wasn't, uh, I guess, um, you know, wasn't uh, um, acted upon, if I can put it uh, in those terms. What has happened since that August challenge? And I guess more importantly, what is, what is the relief that you seek in the current court challenge? I think what we aim to achieve, first of all, is payment to our members. Um, I mean, some of them still have outstanding salaries from, from the month of May and haven't received the full net salary since. So some of them are starting to lose their houses and cars and cannot send their children to school because they are failing to pay school fees. So there's a lot of you know issues in terms of that, and we need to find some sort of way to put pressure on the now and government as the shareholder of the now to act upon these, these court orders. But I think further than that, we also want to ensure that the rule of law um, also wins, uh, you know, and that it's held up. Because if you don't, if people start not complying with court orders simply because a company has been mis- mismanaged um, to the detriment of employees, how does one hold uh, directorships and, and, and CEOs, for example, accountable mm. if that rule of law is lost? So for us, it's... It's more than just the bread and butter issues. It's also a principle that needs to win, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But but what do you make, I guess, of this uh, assertion that there's no money, uh, the government can't pay the money, largely because of, I guess, the current fiscal environment, um, and that uh, much of the monies that had been uh, paid by the shareholder to capitalize the entity uh, uh, effectively went to the receiver of revenue, some of which, and uh, some of it has been ring-fenced for functions other than the salaries of some of your members? Look, 
the fact of the matter is, yes, the is cash trap, but it's not as if they didn't have any money, you know. Um, they paid employees at the NALS head office full salaries. There were rumors that management at the head office received full salaries. So part of our argument is to say, if some employees receive full salaries, it shouldn't it be their priority to first pay off a court order for the members of trade unions who have actually taken the matter to court. Um, and, I mean, the same goes if you look at they paid certain creditors in the interim. So it's not as if there was no money. There was some money. Our, we are saying that they should prioritize the court order because that is how the rule of law works, and they are ordered by court to, to abide by that court order. So mm, mm. Which, which class of workers, workers Al-Khat? I think, yes. al sorry, man, uh, just before we leave this one, which, which class of workers uh, have received their full pay since? Well, we're not exactly sure because we questioned from head office, you know, who has received full salaries at head office and they failed to reply. Um, we did that in October already and we still haven't received formal response. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's open for debate. We don't know. There's rumors flying that, that executive management at the now received full salaries. Oh, so, Last so, so, okay. Informally, mm-hmm. the CEO said no, but, um, I mean, we never, we never received written feedback. Sure, sure. Okay. Alkhat, I want us to hold the line there for a second uh, while we take a quick spot break. When we come back, we'll continue uh, to unpack some of the issues at uh, state-owned Danel, uh, who are in the court, uh, in contempt of court, and uh, a matter now uh, uh, postponed to the 27th of January 2021. And we'll continue with Solidarity's Alkhat Kranya after this. 23 minutes it is uh, after 8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk. It's our uh, Shop Stewards Corner, and we're in conversation with Alkhart Krenier, Solidarity's uh, Coordinator for Defense and Aviation. And Alkhart, I guess, you know, the question many of our listeners might be asking themselves is uh, once this matter is heard in January, and I understand, yeah, 27th of January, well, once this matter is heard in January, um, and you receive the relief that you're seeking in this particular matter, uh, of course, there's then the practical element of you know where Danelle would find this money, um, and in a context where the shareholder might not bring that money forward, what then becomes of uh, the relief that you've sought, and of course, uh, the plight of your members? Uh, you know, uh, Bonga, I think uh, the first part, uh, you know, or the first thing that we need to establish is just to explain that the execution of this court order is twofold. The one is the content of court process. The other part is the warrant of execution process, which we are also currently following. Um, there are some administrative challenges in quantifying the claims of our members, um, but we are making good progress, and the, the outcome of that would be that we get a, a warrant of execution from the court, uh, give that to a sheriff, and they will be able to attach property or movable property or, or assets of the now, which we can sell off if it needs be. Um, but I think ultimately, you know, a, the biggest win would be if the now just executes on its strategy, which it has presented to us over the last two years, which is to get strategic equity partners to invest capital in the now, to sell certain parts of the business, and to sell non-core assets of the now, um, and in that way to generate cash. So, I mean, it has been two years since Barney Detroit was appointed, appointed early in 2019, and this plan has been on the table, but the execution on it has practically been nothing, and that is also part of our frustration. Yeah, what do you think has accounted for for the particular failure um, in the context of this turnaround plan 
to find a strategic equity partner. Uh, we also understand there are some asset sales that have been mooted and uh, a cost-cutting exercise. Uh, what about that turnaround, I guess, uh, for you and some of your members who are at the coalface uh, of this entity has been so difficult to implement? And I guess uh, when it comes to the cost-cutting, uh, you might also want to comment on the implications that that will have for your members. Look, I think uh, the, the biggest challenge is the indecision between the NAUS board and government. Um, there seems to be a strategy, a board-approved strategy of selling non-core assets and, and allowing uh, strategic equity partners to buy into the NAUS. Those partners, however, would want some sort of um, power. Uh, they would want to have decision-making power. And, and the question becomes whether government is willing to let some of that power go in certain of the divisions. And I think they haven't made that switch uh, in their mind, um, which has resulted in them not approving some of the transactions which the NAL and the board applied for to be approved in terms of the PSMI. So that is a very big challenge. Um, the cost-cutting exercises obviously have a big impact on our members. Um, some of them already lost their jobs at the NAL era structures early in, 29, early in 2020. Um, and at the now land systems, the now PNC, and the now vehicle systems, they are currently ongoing restructuring processes, which some might lose their jobs as well. I mean, I guess if you think about the turnaround as a whole, right, rather than just maybe uh, the sourcing or the solicitation of a, of, a, of a strategic equity partner, the sale of non-core assets, but just the particular one around the cost-cutting um, and what that might mean for some of your members by way of a retrenchment. Uh, talk to us about that, um, and, and I guess your, your perspective on that. Look, I think it's a very bad time to be retrenched, for example. Um, I mean, the fact of the matter is a lot of uh, our members are you know, between 45 and, let's say, 60. So they are at the time of their careers where it's very difficult for them to now move jobs, get other jobs, um, especially in the current economic climate. So there will be a lot of suffering. And, I mean, what we try and achieve through these restructuring processes is to save as many jobs as possible. What one should, however, also take into consideration is the members that remain behind. Because if there is not some sort of cost-cutting to a certain extent, one might find that uh, over the long run, it now becomes totally unsustainable and everybody loses their jobs. So it's a very fine mm. balance, unfortunately. Um, we don't want people to lose their jobs, and we do everything within our power to save those jobs. Um, but sometimes these processes cannot be avoided legally, and, and I think in the now case, they might have justifiable reasons to retrench people to a certain extent. Are you open to alternative dispute resolution mechanisms? Yeah, it seems that, uh, I guess... Um Everywhere where, you, where you're finding a similar argument of uh, uh, the state pleading poverty or even the SOEs uh, that it has under its uh, purview pleading the same, that uh, people are clamoring about looking for an alternative uh, uh, mechanism to resolve disputes like this. Uh, would you be open to that? Only if uh, real and justifiable solutions are put on the table. Um, we have been made into promises for the last two years, you know, the NAL has been struggling for a very, very long time. So we won't go into, into any process where there's only going to be talking and not, no commitment, no feasible commitments um, if we don't know where the money is coming from. So, yes, we, we are open to that, but only if it's, a, 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 you know, a process where uh, that will lead to some sort of outcome. I mean, we won't agree... Um, 
in, in a process like that or to a process like that if it's only going to be a repeat of the facilitation process that we already took part in um, earlier during 2020. Uh, I mean, just just on that, uh, I think, uh, you know, the big question is, of course, if uh, the sequence of events that you've suggested earlier, which is, you know, to attach some of the assets and sell those off, uh, um, you know, what, aside from that end game, I mean, is, is there a prospect of something else? Because I guess the concern is that once that process starts to happen, uh, it certainly, I guess, is a ominous sign of what could potentially happen in a liquidation process. Yeah, look, one never wants to go into a liquidation process. Mm. That is basically the worst-case scenario, and that you know whatever we do in terms of our thought processes will always take that into consideration. Um, we have already started investigating on what we can attach and what not, and what would lead to you know the operational demise of the now. So, I mean, one needs to take those considerations um, seriously. Uh, but I think... There are short-term things that can be done to raise funds, you know, and, and, and there are interested parties in specific divisions of the now. We've got the Hensel transaction, for example, where they've been trying to sell their shares in Hensel, uh, their minority shares, you know, basically for 12 months now, which they haven't been able to do for various reasons, but the main reason being the inability of uh, the shareholding government in approving uh, the, the transaction timelessly. And that would have raised 160 million, for example. Now it might seem small fry in terms of capital that they need to raise, but if they did that in May or June, it might have made a big difference, you know. But I think mm. small things like that can make a difference. They just have to execute the plans that are already on the table. The problem that we have, though, is that if the Director General of the Department of Public Enterprises corresponds with us, you always hear. We are looking at solutions. We are discussing it with the stakeholders. It's always a search and a discussion, but there's no execution of these plans, you know, and one needs to get to the execution part of these plans to achieve something. Halkhat, we'll have to leave it there. A pleasure chatting to you, and thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us. A pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity.